I think for the most part, the intent is there for people who are running teams and showcases and things like that. They want to help kids. They just don't know how. Be proactive. Don't rely on someone else, you know, to help you. This is your future. You want to position yourself with good people, with good references and things like that, but you have got to be proactive in the process. This is the Reform Sports Project, a podcast about restoring healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. Hi, this is Nick Bonacore from the Reform Sports Project podcast. My guest today is the owner and founder of the Dirtbags Baseball Club and Impact Baseball, Andy Parton. Coach Parton pioneered the idea of promoting high school baseball players both online and on field in showcase events. His goal was to help them reach collegiate and professional levels of baseball. Andy and I dive deep into the travel sports industry, including its bad reputation, how travel coaches interact with school coaches at all levels, and how to manage player and parent expectations when looking at college. Man, I am freaking once again fired up. I got another awesome guest. We connected a couple years ago, man. Great dude. Got to build a good, strong relationship with him. He's here in North Carolina. Founder and coach, one of the top travel and showcase organizations in the country. Dirtbags Baseball, the Dirtbags. Coach Andy Parton. Coach Parton, man, thanks for hopping on, sir. Wow, that was awesome. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. I'm uh, humbled to, to be talking to you. Well, hell yeah. I like that. I like that. I like that someone's humble to talk to me. Thank you, because I'm humble to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Boost my ego for the day. Yeah, uh, man. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. Well, you know, we're talking, you know, everything youth sports, athletic development. You're someone who's, you know, really, you know, been on the forefront of this thing, uh, you know, started way back in the early 2000s. And, you know, obviously now having one of the most formidable organizations uh, in the country, competing on the national scene, winning championships, developing players across the country, have guys in the big leagues, colleges all over the place and, you know, kids at every age, you know, in your organization. What I want to ask coaches, you know, when you go back to when you started, can you tell us why? Can you talk about why you decided to start the Dirtbags? Kind of your whole why behind the whole deal. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I'm asked that, you know, every now and then. And uh, I don't have like a super sexy answer because back then I didn't know what it would become today. So, you know, things are things are changing, you know, each year. Um kind of as we evolve but back then you know i started the dirtbags back in 2002 and it was really piggybacking off another company that started called impact baseball back in 2001 and as a high school kid i just didn't have and i didn't know it back then you know i'm just going through the process like everybody else i was a good high school player got injured but just really didn't have anybody there to push me along uh, there was nobody there that really educated me on college baseball. There was no, there was never any talk about college baseball, professional baseball. I mean, a, a showcase was was unheard of. There was just real. There wasn't really any vehicles for for recruitment, so to speak, back then. Um, so really, once I got done playing at 19 years old, I, I, I started to. Uh, somebody told me about a publication called Team One. And there's a guy named Jeff Spellman ran that. And they, they, they started ranking kids throughout the state. And I knew a couple of the kids that they had ranked. So I checked that out. And then I started something called Parton's Picks. Don't laugh at that. Uh, that's about <laughs> the best name I could come up with at the time. And I started writing, uh, you know, just nice things about certain kids that I would run across. And then, you know, kind of that grew legs. I'm trying to give you the quick version here to bore anybody. But then it went to Carolina Prospects. Um, 
we did that where we basically came up with a list and we ranked kids by position in the state of North Carolina by grant class. And that was the first thing. There was nothing like that in, uh, in this area. So that got a lot of attention. We ended up running what we called a showcase. And I tried to explain to my girlfriend at the time, you know, I'm 22 years old. I said, look, strangers are going to send me a check in the mail. And we're going to do what they call a showcase. I've never run a showcase before. And she laughed at me. And uh, I said, look, these people are going to pay for this because this is exposure. This is what kids don't have. This is what I didn't have. And it happened. We had like 80-some kids sign up. We had over 30 college coaches. This was unheard of, you know, in this area. And it, it, that just kind of grew legs. I was working with somebody at the time. We ended up splitting apart, and I came up with Impact Baseball in 2001. And we started running showcases and tournaments way back then. So then uh, the next year, 2002, is when I started to have teams. And I had coached right after I had got done playing um, I ended up coaching three years at the high school I went to as an assistant. And I just love coaching, you know, just just like everybody. You know, it's just once you kind of get out of playing, man, as you got that calling, I just I love to coach. I love to help people. And I really, you know, as I'm getting older, it's it's like, yeah, I like coaching. I love baseball, but I like teaching and I like helping people. And that's kind of what I'm, I'm figuring out as I'm getting older. And I just use baseball to kind of to kind of fill that, you know what I'm saying? So back then, I just, yeah, I formed a team, and we were really good. We had some success, and there was nobody back then, you know, promoting showcase teams. I was the first guy that I can think of. The only other guy to do it was a guy named Mike Schilt, and that's a, that's a name you guys are probably familiar with. He was the manager for the Cardinals. And uh, I ended up, you know, becoming good friends with Mike, and I, I was actually his associate scout when he, when he was coming through. He was the area scout and supervisor at Cardinals before he started coaching with them. And we would just play each other on the weekends. We would play each other at Carolina. We would play each other at NC State, at, at Elon, at UNC Charlotte. And it was fun. You know, we started doing that, and it started helping kids. And then it went from one team to two teams to four teams. And, you know, it just kind of has, has uh, grown legs from there. And um, obviously with success, you know, other people are going to jump on board. So other uh, other people out there saw success, and, you know, other people are doing it now. And, man, it's really hard today, Nick, to fall through the cracks. I would say I was a good player coming through high school and fell through the cracks. There's so many people like me coming through the system back then that nobody ever heard of. You know, there's just, uh, there was just no vehicle, like I said earlier, to help kids get recruited. And hopefully, well, I know for a fact today, you know, we've created that for kids. And there's so many people out there trying to help kids today that it is really hard to fall through the cracks. You know, you bring up a good point. Uh, shout out to my former coach, Jerry Edwards, who's down there at, at Jacksonville now. You know Jerry, I'm sure. Of course. Coach E, uh, we had a conversation, he, and we talked about our days back at North Carolina Wesleyan when Mike Fox was there and Charlie Long. And, you know, we were winning national titles, competing on the national she- scene, and half of our roster was from the Northeast. And I asked Coach Fox, I'm like, "What was that like your intent? He goes, yeah, I mean. You know, he goes, there was a time, Nick, where I could drive around the state of New Jersey. I didn't even need a map. Like, I knew where I was going. I knew the schools. And, you know, the whole pitch was, let's bring some of these kids that were tweener kids 
and we're going to get them down to the south. You know, kids that might be mid-major D1 guys or D1 guys in the Northeast, let's bring them down here and, and win national titles. And it worked for years. And Coach Edwards told me, he goes, Nick, it'd be so hard to do that now at the Division three level because half of our team could have played. I mean, I know our pitching staff, Buddy Hernandez, Sean Fleming, James Pitney, Jason Sigley, these guys could have pitched in the ACC for crying out loud. I mean, we had a guy on our team, Buddy Hernandez, who was on the 40-man for the Braves for three years. I mean, you know, these guys were on our staff and they were D1 guys. So you, to your point, there are no secrets anymore. So at the end of the day, though, with that comes, like you mentioned, your success and other organizations like yours who have had success. A lot of times people will say it's become somewhat watered down, you know, watered wow. down and that there are so many teams, so many showcases that the travel organizations get a bad, in many cases, a bad rep. You know, like a lot of people are out there just for the money. Can you talk about that? Because there's certainly, that's, that's a black cloud that hovers over. It's not just baseball, but the entire travel industry. Yeah, you know, the world is filled with, uh, with, with some awful people and it's no different in travel baseball. Now, there are a handful of people like that, but obviously the world and travel baseball is filled with awesome people, you know, the people that, that want to help. But I think, I think for the most part, the intent is there for people who are running teams and showcases and things like that. They want to help kids. They just don't know how, all right? There's not many people out there, not many organizations that can actually help kids. And I'm talking about just, uh, not from just a development standpoint, you know, practice and things like that. I'm talking about can actually pick up a phone and make a call to a college coach and that phone call work. You know, a lot of these guys, they just don't know um, they don't have those relationships and, you know, they just haven't been doing it very long. And I think you know, that's just kind of today. You know, everybody wants success very quickly. And I've been doing it for 20 years. You know, it's taken me that long to get to. And plus, I was, like you mentioned earlier, was kind of one of the, the early ones. Um, and, I mean, it's the same college coaches today that there was back then. Obviously, a lot of the younger guys, but a lot of those guys today, you mentioned one already. Um, you know, so. The black guy, I hate that showcase organizers and uh, travel team organizations kind of are put in that box. Um, there's some great people out there. You know, you're going to have to do your homework as mom and dad. Um, but remember, these are the people that can actually help. And I hear that quite often in, in youth baseball and then in high school baseball. You know, this organization, they charge this much money. You know, they're only in it for the money. Well, People have got to be reasonably compensated. I'm not exactly sure what you do for a living or what people do for a living that are listening to this podcast, but I, I assume those people have bills. And I know that, you know, the grocery store, they don't give away food for free. And the gas stations, obviously those gas prices are getting higher and higher. So things cost money. And so when we're all trading time for money. You know, you need to be reasonably compensated. And again, these are the people that can actually help your kid. Mom and dad don't seem to have a problem with giving Marriott or Hilton you know, for a week's trip down to Atlanta, Georgia, you know, and spending thousands of dollars doing that. No, you know, mom and dad don't seem to have a problem dropping four or $500, you know, on a new bat. But, you know, people don't want to pay to play on, you know, a team that can actually help their kid. So that's such a valuable point. And, and when you were talking about being able to pick up the phone and quite frankly, you know, what I have learned, you know, since starting Reform Sports Project is that the baseball community is small, man. I, I was fortunate to play in college and I played a little, you know, one year of pro ball. But I have, as you know, we have many mutual friends who are in the game at high levels. And man, if I get on the phone with a coach and say, hey, I really like this kid here. 
they're going to take me seriously. Like there is definitely a value in having relationships. And I've actually been told by power five coaches, like it means a lot more when a coach vouches for a player. And another good question I want to ask is, let's say you get on the phone with, uh, Brian O'Connor, uh, you know, from University of Virginia, just use his as our Scott Forbes, whoever from Carolina. And you say, hey, Forbesy, you know, I love this kid. What are the questions he's going to ask you about that kid? That's a, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and that seems to be something that parents and players are really misinformed about. If I'm talking to Coach Forbes about a player or Coach O'Connor or whoever, rarely are they going to ask me, like, is this kid any good? Like, they already know he's good. That's why we're, that's why we're talking. Um, it's usually not a lot to do with the skill level. Now, if they haven't seen that kid very often, I haven't seen him enough, maybe saw him one time, you know, we can get into that type of stuff, and, and they will. Um, you know, and those guys like to, they, they want to know that they're right, too. You know, they want to know, like, hey, I'm, I'm not missing something, am I? You know, from a skill standpoint. But most of the stuff is, is makeup. Hey, does he does he show up on time? You know, what what's he like, man? Do his teammates like him? You know, do his, do his coaches like him? You know, how's he doing? Like, I want to say, I talked to almost all 30 major league teams this past year about Khalil Watson, who was a first rounder this past year. And none of those guys asked me, do you think Khalil's good? They just wanted to know, you know, what kind of kid is he? And so that's what these coaches are really asking. You know, unless they just haven't seen a kid or maybe if uh, somebody has sent a, a recommendation or something like that, you know, that they don't know, they'll call, they'll, you know, if the kid does play for, for me or something like that, they'll call and you know, we may talk a little bit about skill level, but a lot of it's got to do with the makeup. When we come back, Andy and I chat about expectations and the conflict around prioritizing one team over another when playing on multiple teams. When we left off, Andy and I were about to discuss how to manage player and parent expectations on which school and division level makes sense for them. You know, one of the other hot topics, obviously, is the transfer portal. And and some people will, will point a finger and say, well, a lot of times these parents and kids are misinformed that their talent is a division one talent. And, you know, the, everyone likes to point the finger right past the buck. But even Coach Fox told me, he goes, it's hard for parents to look at their kids through, you know, we, they look at them through rose-colored glasses. It's hard to be ob- objective. You know, it is. It's your kid. It's hard. But here's the double-edged sword, Andy, is that people need to hear the truth. But for crying out loud, a lot of them don't want to hear the truth, right? So <laughs> A lot of them don't. And then they'll go, they'll go find somebody that tells them what they want to hear. So, like, I'm going to use these college names because I know them. But let's say, let's say you know a kid is a college-level player, right? But he wants to go to North Carolina, NC State, right? The Power 5 school. But his talent may only be good enough to play. Now, I'm going to say this as if it's a step back, but it's really not. At Mount Olive or UNC Pembroke, right? Top 25 national contending Division II programs. Or even North Carolina Wesleyan or Methodist, a Division Three school that can go win a national title. Like, are you going to be forthcoming with that kid and with those parents and say, hey, I know you can play in college, but you're probably better off taking a look at these smaller schools. How do you manage that? That's a great question. So the first thing I would say is, you know, where do you want to go? You know, that, that would be the conversation. If they say, uh, I want to go to Duke. Okay, great. You want to go to Duke. Well, this is where, this is what guys at Duke look like. This is, you know, and let's talk about your skill set and kind of where you are physically. And if you want to go to Duke, well, you're going to have to be able to do X, Y, and Z. Okay. So you're going to have to do this, this, and this to get to that level. So if you want to get to that level, you'll have to improve these things. And, and then it all becomes a, you know, do I have the time to do that? You know, if this kid's a senior in high school, well, it's probably not going to work out at Duke. 
all right? But if this kid's a younger kid, well, now I can help give him a plan, all right? Now I can help him get to where I think he needs to get to to get to that level, all right? But if we're talking about comparing, uh, you know, some of these really, really good smaller schools, you want to ask these kids and these parents, have you seen these schools play? There are, I mean, I don't know of many Division One schools that want to go down to Mount Olive and play. No, that's for um, sure. Or go to UNC Pembroke and play because they're going to lose, and they don't want that. Um, it's like uh, it's tough. I don't know where, and I don't know why. And I hate hearing this. You know, the season has started. You know, this whole thing. Remember this online this past weekend because Division One season has started. Well, the, all the smaller schools have already started. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that makes well, the season's already started. So why, why are we so excited now? You know, just because Division One baseball is happening. Obviously, you know, kids grow up, they see, you know, we're talking about ACC, you know, around here they see ACC basketball and football and things like that on TV. So that's kind of what they're growing up, you know, seeing. So I get that side of it. But my advice to to every kid and to every parent is go watch these guys play. Go watch North Carolina Wesleyan play and you will be shocked, surprisingly shocked, that you're not as good as those kids. But we're talking about some really, really good players. Now, these guys are good players come out of high school, but I don't think mom and dad and kids know a lot of these guys who went to these big schools and, and it didn't pan out for them. You know where they're transferring? To North Carolina Wesleyan. They're yeah. transferring to Mount Olive. So you're talking about you know a different type of athlete you know, at a lot of these smaller schools now, and those are guys you know kicking everybody's ass. All these bells are going off in my head. We both know Matt McKay. Shout out, Matt McKay. Uh, Love Matt. Yeah. Matt, my former teammate at Wesleyan when I was a freshman. He was a sophomore. He was an All-American. Well, then after that season, you know, Coach Fox took the job at Carolina, and McKay actually went with him and ended up being a two-year starter at Carolina. And that summer, or that spring, now here we are, 1999, our team took a trip to Chapel Hill and we watched Carolina play. And here we are, we're one, like number one in the country at the time. That was the year we won the national title. But I remember watching, now Carolina at the time had Tyrell Godwin. Uh, you know, he was a first-rounder, right? I mean, just they were loaded. Now here I am watching guys play at Chapel who are my age thinking, Man, that ball comes out of their hand differently, man. Now, watching them field the ground ball, you know, watching them play, you know, small ball. I felt like we can play with them, but, I mean, they're bigger and stronger, man. I played summer ball with these guys. I mean, they're different. They're built different. And like we talked about off air before, our staff had guys throwing 92-93, which was a big deal back then. But now, for God's sakes, turn on Twitter, you got guys throwing 98-100 to in every level of college baseball. It's unbelievable. And I think one of the things that stands out to me is the strength training. You know, there's a massive difference, I think, than it was 20-plus years ago on strength training and hitting the weight room, which I think is, I think it shows on the field. How do you incorporate strength training? I know it's something you're passionate about with these kids as they're developing through your program. Yeah, just, you know, as a young kid, 12 years old, I mean, you know, my dad was real big into fitness and things like that. I remember him showing me how to lift weights, and I remember it carrying over, you know, as a young kid, just messing around the weight room. I mean, not, not like I had the program, you know, to follow, but just doing that type of stuff. And I remember, man, this this does help. I wasn't the biggest guy, but you know, I was one of the stronger kids at that age because I was doing that and nobody else was. And I'm not saying I was ahead of anybody or anything like that, but it made me realize at a young age, and then I've kind of carried that through, you know, my life. And, I mean, in 2011, I was a high school baseball coach at Forsyth Country Day. We broke the state record in home runs. We had 62 home runs as a team. Now, that's a lot for a high school team. But this is what we did two days a week. We met at the weight room. And then, you know, we lifted for 45 minutes, and then we went to practice. So during you know, the I season— 
100% during the season. Obviously, we lifted weights in the offseason. But, guys, this, you, this is what happens, I think. You know, and, and then this could be a, a really long conversation, so I don't, I don't want to take up too much time. But, you know, the offseason is so important. I think guys get excited about the weight room and things like that in the offseason. And then it's like, all right, season's here, and they just shut it down. And then what happens? Well, these guys get – they stop lifting weights. All right, so then they're – you know, they start to lose strength. And because they're on the field all day – you know, at practice and things like that, they're not resting, they're not recovering, they're not eating, they're not staying hydrated, they're starting to lose weight. And obviously, as you lose weight, you're going to lose strength, especially if you're not trying to maintain, and that's the key word here, maintain um, your strength during the season. It's funny, we're talking about this. We just sent this out. I just did a video for the kids at our organization and sent them their in-season high school spring plan. And in that video, we're talking about, you know, the importance of, you know, still trying to, you know, find one to two days a week where you can maintain that strength. Um, it's just, I don't know why. And I think mom and dad, I think kids, sometimes coaches for sure, they just don't put the emphasis on on the strength plan, um, especially during the season days, they see it as dangerous and things like that. You know, lifting weights and getting stronger is going to keep you healthy. It's going to keep you healthy longer. Now, remember, at the end of the season, that's when you're trying to win championships, right? So you want to be at your strongest. You don't want to be at your weakest. But if you stop lifting weights during the season, your, your, your strength and things are going to decline, right? So you want to be on a steady incline or at least maintaining your strength during the season. So, you know, I, I don't have time. I hear that all the time. Like, you got to be kidding me, dude. You don't have time. You can't find one hour a week. That's all it's going to take. You know, and you can just do some basic stuff, you know, to maintain that strength. Now, I think everyone is seeking the quote-unquote, like, the plan. I need the best plan. Sure. You don't need the best plan. You need to move a little bit of heavy weight, a lot of sets, low reps, so we're not breaking down a lot of muscle tissue, so we're not sore. And I think that's what people don't want, too. I don't want the soreness during the season because guys are already sore from, you know, running around on the field all day. There's ways to do that. There's obviously differences, you know, between off-season and in-season and things like that. But if you talk to kids who move on to play college baseball, what's the biggest adjustment when you get there in the fall? What do they talk about, man? They talk about the weight room. The strength training is so, you know, that part of it is so, so overwhelming for many of these guys because they've never done it before. Why wouldn't you want to get three, four years ahead of the game? That's a great point, man. And I want to want to touch on one other thing. You mentioned bringing up time, right? Not enough time. And a lot of our kids, a lot of your kids are playing high school ball and they're playing travel, right? So how do they prioritize? How do you, as someone who's coaching these kids, 17U, 18U, whatever it is, because some of them get confused, like which one's the priority? Is it my school or is it my travel? How do you navigate that during the season? Well, for us, 100%, you know, the school season is top priority. Nothing that the dirtbags, you know, do should interfere with high school season or middle school season, okay? And it's, it's funny. We have people that work with us who have children in other sports, and they're playing, let's say, uh, middle school soccer, girls soccer. We have, we have a, a, a lady that works with us, and she says their daughter leaves middle school, school season soccer to go to, to her select team soccer practice and that's accepted that's kind of like hey that happens that's that's weird you know because i know your audience is is from multiple sports but in baseball to me that's a big no-no you know we would never dream of of having a kid miss a school activity a school team activity to do something that we're doing um it's, it's got to be completely separate now we would respect you know we would hope we would get that uh equal amount of respect in the summer 
you know, when we're having our season, you know, where the kids aren't having to miss, you know, some sort of uh, school function or something like that. But, you know, we've got to we've got to work together and we've got a really good relationship, you know, with a lot, a lot of high school coaches and they actually coach with us. And we've got, you know, same type of relationship with middle school coaches and we have middle school coaches coach with us. So we've got to work together, um, you know, so we're not getting into this uh, this overuse type thing. You think you know, like middle school baseball, for example, I'm, I'm coaching middle school right now for a player of mine. You know, my son goes there. He asked me to help coach. So we're doing that. So I'm doing that with him. You know, he also have our 13U dirtbag team that my son's on. But we're, we don't interfere with the, the middle school season, you know, on purpose. So we got we got to really start thinking about overuse and, and things like that as well. So recovery is big. Coach, I want you to tell me, you know, what are these parents, what should these kids be doing? You got the mic. You know, what's the best way for them to put, I know we touched on a lot of this. What would be the best piece of advice you'd give these high school kids, you know, freshmen and all, how to put themselves in the best position to be recognized and be seen, you know, on the radar for college coaches? Be good. That's it. Yeah, everyone is, is so interested in like, what showcase should I go to? What camp should I go to? You know, what profile should I make and video and all this stuff. And if you're good, like you'd say things get so easy. Put way more of your time into your development, making yourself a better baseball player, a better athlete in general. You know, what are college coaches looking for? I hear that all the time. Well, you know, ask yourself, you know, if you're a college coach, what are you looking for? You're looking for people who are going to help you win games. All right, so what is an athlete, as a baseball player or whatever sport you play, what do you do that, that can actually help that college coach win games? That's what they're looking for. You know, so you've got to spend way more time on development. But but say you are a good player, and, I, and I'll wrap this up. Be proactive. Don't rely on someone else, you know, to help you. This is your future, okay? You want to position yourself with good people, with good references and things like that, but you have got to be proactive in the process. You need to be calling those college coaches. You, know, you need to be contacting those coaches. You need to be going to their camps and taking those unofficial visits. And you need to try to seek all of that knowledge that can put yourself in a position to move on to your highest level. I love it. Andy Parton, the dirtbags, check them out. I love your content. Love your message, man. I'm grateful for your time. I can't thank you enough for coming on, brother. Oh, yeah, man. Nick, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having me. That's Andy Parton, owner and founder of Dirtbags Baseball and Impact Baseball. Thanks for listening to the Reform Sports Project podcast. I'm Nick Bonacore, and our goal is to restore a healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. For updates, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or check out our website by searching for the Reform Sports Project.